right. <clears throat> if you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5. As you are turning there, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you um, have a favorite scene from, movie, from a movie where somebody has given their life for the, for the salvation of someone else. Um, those are some of the best parts of the movies. Um, they're the ones where you tear up the most. You see somebody who's willing to either throw themselves in front of a bullet or they're willing to take the place of someone else. There's so many examples I could bring out. Titanic. Yeah. Jack throws himself off the door and lets Rose stay on top, but there was room for him on the door. Don't get it. Or maybe you can think of some of the most recent ones. There are different, there are several different superhero illustrations. You know, Man of Steel, you've got Superman who was willing to give his life, uh, for several different things. All the movies try to show him sacrificing himself doing something. Um, Iron Man, you know, and, oops, spoilers. And, uh, you know, there's so many other illustrations you could bring up, but there's no greater illustration that could ever be depicted of somebody giving their life than Jesus Christ on the cross. We can, we can point out movies. We can even point out real life illustrations. We think of police officers, firefighters. We think of even just regular strangers, maybe, who you see stories on the news where somebody shoves somebody out of the way of a coming car. You know, or somebody jumped in front of a bullet. I mean, you hear these stories of heroes. But the thing is, is we can try to bring out these illustrations to make a depiction of what Christ has done for us, and none of them, none of them will shed light on what truly Christ has done for us on the cross as our sacrifice. And so Romans chapter 5, we're going to be looking at just verses 6 through 11. If you're there, say word. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of, of uh, God's Word. We're going to look at the love of God displayed on the cross of Christ. That's the title of my message tonight. Verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful for this time. We ask that you would bless it. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the main idea for tonight's message I have is this. The the greatest display of the love of God is on the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the main idea. The greatest display of the love of God is on the cross 
of Jesus Christ. And we see that where when, when, when Paul tells us here in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I, I, I know there's several dads here in the congregation, and, and I'm, I'm going to point out dads because I'm a dad. And, and we know, men, fathers, that if our children were in jeopardy, at least I hope some, all, not all of us, if our children were in jeopardy, you would try to save them, even if you put, even if you're putting your life in danger. I would hope that's true. House is burning down. Kids are locked in the bedroom. You know, you got an intruder. You know, you would be willing to lay down your life for your child. Most of you husbands would more than likely lay down your life for your wife. Most. Or all. Hopefully all. But we see here God is showing his love for us in sending his own son to die for us. You know, we can see us risking our lives, even, even laying down our lives for, for somebody we love. But can you imagine sending someone you love for that purpose to save someone else? See, when we look at verses 6 and 7, where, where Paul tells us, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Paul is pointing out the fact that it's rare for somebody to actually sacrifice themselves for somebody else. He even points out examples that one would scarcely die for a righteous person. Somebody who, who, who they would think is probably worth dying for. Or even though perhaps for a good person. Somebody who, who is good, who maybe does good for society. I'd probably lay down my life for that person. But the question is, is would you lay down your life for someone who hates you, who is in rebellion towards you, who has offended you, and who, according to Romans 5.10, is considered your enemy? I love comic books. I love superhero movies. And what I'm going to say is this, and this is my nerdiness coming out. This, the gospel, is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. The hero dies for the villain. God displays his love on the cross of Christ. We've been looking for the past couple of weeks at what is the gospel. And we looked at the holiness and the wrath of God. And we looked at how God displays his wrath on the cross. How on the cross of Christ, he's pouring out his wrath on Jesus. And then last week, we looked at how God is, how we are in need of God's rescue because we have rebelled against him. And we're deserving of God's judgment because we have rebelled against him. So tonight I want to look at what Christ has done for us on the cross and how we're going to do that is by looking at the greatest display of the love of God. So first we see that He, dis- he displays His love despite our sin. He displays His love despite our sin. Now Paul in 
verses 6 and 7 is showing us people who may be willing to sacrifice themselves for someone else. And what he shows them is, is that in order for these people to sacrifice themselves for someone else, they probably would have to know them. They would have to know that they're a righteous person or a good person. Now, we do see some of those rarities nowadays. We see people in military who are risking their lives daily on the field. We see people who are in law enforcement who are risking their lives daily for people they don't even know. They don't know how bad this person may be sinfully on the inside. But in verse 8, Paul says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God displays his love for us despite our sin. Military and and law enforcement may not know the person that they're going to lay their lives down for, but Christ knows us. Christ knows the deepest, darkest things about you. Christ knows your thoughts. Christ knows your actions. Christ knows who you are in secret. Who you are behind closed doors. Christ knows your Google search history. And Christ knows that search history that you think you have deleted. Christ knows all these things. He knows your sin. He knows your shame. And yet Paul is saying here, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Sinners. Rebellious. Disobedient. Offensive. We have rebelled against a holy and righteous God, but yet He still wants to display His love for us. And He does it by the cross, despite our sin. He doesn't doesn't look at you and think, you know what, this person has done way too much bad stuff. I I think I'm going to leave them to the side. This person right here, though, I see some good in him. He's giving, he's serving. He's not cussing as much, you know. God doesn't do that. Because when God sees you apart from Christ, He sees one thing. Lost. Sinful. There's no scale of how lost or sinful you are. You just are. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. He displays His love despite our sin. We were at Chick-fil-A a few weeks ago, and they had a movie night out in the parking lot in Albemarle. And uh, we were one of three minivans parked in the front. Had uh, the Meachams, who ended up showing up, didn't know they were going to be there on one side. And then we had the Blaylocks, who are friends of ours from North Albemarle, on the other side. And had a great time. Have you ever been to a drive-in you know you're not supposed to leave your car in idle. You need to crank it up every once in a while. And well, here's the thing about a Honda minivan. Those things suck up battery life. Well, we're in the car. You know, it's Saturday night. I'm going over my sermon notes while the kids are watching a movie on this huge inflatable screen in our minivan, which we had the movie in our minivan. 
So we're there. As soon as the movie ends, my wife gets into the front seat. She's going to crank it up and we're going to roll out. The car still got battery life, but as soon as she hits that brake pedal to push that button, that car goes click and it's dead. All right, long story short, the, the, the guy that runs Chick-fil-A Albemarle, um, who had the inflatable, very nice guy, he comes up to me, sees our car dead, and, and, and he brings us the jumper cables because I'm a horrible husband that does not have jumper cables in my wife's minivan. And so he brings us his jumper cables. We try to jump it off of the Meacham's minivan next to us. Doesn't work. It's starting to drizzle. Guys, nothing terrifies me more than dealing with jumper cables in the rain. And so we're out there, and then he brings his heavy-duty dually up to our minivan and hooks it up to his truck, and then we try to get it going. Kate, we're out there for an hour trying to get this thing started. And all of a sudden, the guy, he's like, why don't, why don't we go get you a new battery? This guy has been at work at Chick-fil-A all day. He's the guy that set up the movie screen, the, 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 the entire thing. And he's out there in the pouring rain with me as my wife and the kids are sitting in the dry car. And he is helping me jump this car off. And he's offering to take me to Walmart across the street to help me get a battery, offering his tools, offering the time after he's had a busy day. And he's going to help me put this battery back in the car. All in all, it's Saturday night, and the last thing I want to do is sit in Chick-fil-A parking lot to change a car battery. Because I've done that before. Thankfully, he adjusted the positive handle, and it cranked up after an hour of messing with it. This guy, and I'm not saying his name I'm not trying to boast about about him, but he was a perfect example of grace. I deserved no help. He had worked all day long, could have left me there in the pouring rain, could have left me to electrocute myself on a wet battery with wet jumper cables. I mean, he could have just left me, but was willing to help me out anyway. But he didn't know me. He didn't know my heart. He didn't know my soul. But understand, Christ, who is willing to, to, to die on the cross, bleed and suffer for us, knows the deepest things about you. And He receives no greater joy than to redeem you of the darkest things in your life. God displays His love on the cross of Christ despite our sin. He does it for the sake of His glory and the sake of our salvation, which is number two. He displays His love for the sake of our salvation. Not only is it despite our sin, but it's for the sake of our salvation. Look at verse, <clears throat> look at verse eight. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood. If you like marking in your Bible, circle justified. Much more shall we be saved from him by the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. If you like marking your Bible circle, reconciled. By the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. It is through the cross of Christ, on this cross, that we see God displaying his love for the sake of our salvation. God, who is pouring out his wrath on Jesus, the wrath that you and I deserve, 
He's doing this because He loves us and wants to save us. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by His blood. We talked a couple weeks ago about the holiness and the wrath of God, how we deserve judgment. There needs to be a payment. We see all throughout the Old Testament this, this sacrificial system, this bloody sacrificial system to atone for sin. But the sacrifice of animals does not atone for our sin for salvation. It has to be a perfect sacrifice. Somebody who would be our representative. Somebody who would live a perfect life and die the death that we deserve. God displays His love for the sake of our salvation by hanging His Son on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 For He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. He dies on the cross for our sin that we might die to our sin and live to righteousness. And here we see in Romans 5 verse 8 and 9 that Christ dies that we may be justified. God is a holy and righteous God. Our sin cannot stand before a holy and righteous God. Our sin has to be judged by a holy and righteous God. But because of Christ who pays the penalty for us, God looks at us and says, justified. Have you ever done something and, and, and you're just praying to God you'd get away with it? For one, I don't know why you're praying to God. You just did something wrong. You need to pray for forgiveness and repentance and then confess. But you, I, you we've all been teenagers. Some of you are teenagers now. I've done some stuff. Here's another story about jumper cables. For some reason, jumped off my dad's lawnmower. For some reason, my dad has never had good luck with lawnmowers. He's always bought used ones for some reason. We had one lawnmower. You had to maneuver it a specific way to actually jump it off. I hook up the jumper cables to this thing. Car cranked up. Jumper cables hooked up. I go to crank up the lawnmower. I see, I'm not lying, sparks come from the car battery down the jumper cables onto the lawnmower and the lawnmower catches fire. I've told you that story, right, Dad? No? Okay. <laughs> I caught the lawnmower on fire one time when I was a teenager. Sorry. Well, I did that. I'm jerking the jumper cables off. I'm throwing water on it, trying to get that thing out. Thank God it didn't burn up. <laughs> and obviously I never told my parents. I got away with it, except now. But you've done something. You've done stuff that you wish you could get away with. You've, done, you, you've made mistakes in your life that you know punishment is coming. You've disobeyed your parents. You know when your mom says, your dad's going to handle that when he gets home. You know what that means. That either means a belt or a hand. However you were raised. Here's the thing with Christ. Because of Christ, He took the punishment we deserved on the cross to where when God looks at us after we've put our faith and trust in Him, He sees you as just. He looks at you as if 
You were never even the one who committed those sins. He sees you as if you were His Son, Jesus. Because when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are a child of God. He displays His love for us on the cross for the sake of our salvation. To be justified. By His blood. We're about to take the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. And we're going to be reminded of the blood that was shed for us so that we can have that payment that is paid. Guys, listen. The blood was the cost for your salvation. But understand, it's not just any person that could have done that. It was the Son of God. Perfect, sinless. It was Him. Nailed to the cross, undeserving of this. He drank the cup of God's wrath so that you can drink the cup of blood of the new covenant. He displayed his love on the cross for the sake of our salvation. So that we may be justified, so that we may be declared righteous, and so that we may be reconciled. Look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, man... Underline that or circle it. The Bible is calling you an enemy of God before you even came to know Christ. Well, hold up. I never even knew God before Christ. How could I be an enemy? If you're not for God, you're against God. And ignorance of it does not leave you any excuse. We were enemies of God. Remember the hero that in, in the gospel, the gospel is the only story where the hero dies for the villain. You were enemies. Since, for if while we were enemies, verse 10, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. The purchase that Christ paid on that cross not only justifies us, but now it reconciles us. What does that mean? We are now back in perfect fellowship with the Father. Isaiah tells us that our iniquities have separated us from God and our sins have hidden His face from us so that He does not hear. Is Isaiah 39.2. Our sin has made that separation. God cannot have anything to do with sin. But the payment on the cross that has paid for our sin that has justified us, we now can have fellowship with God because of the cross. We can finally have that relationship. We can finally be brought back into the presence of God. But Paul goes further than that. He says in verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? I believe Paul's talking about the resurrection there. I don't want to go into too much about the resurrection because I don't want to take anything away from Sunday. But you know what? We should talk about the resurrection every day. It is because Christ has resurrected that our salvation is secure in him. Because Christ has resurrected, we see now that the power that rose him from the dead is going to, is the same power that's risen us from the dead. That has saved us and redeemed us and reconciled us to the Father. He displays his love for us for the sake of our salvation so that we may be justified and so that we may be reconciled. And what does that mean for us 
today. Church, if God is willing to die for the sins of his enemies, if he's willing to pay that payment, then do you not believe that God loves and cares for you that are his children? That no matter what trial, no matter what temptation, no matter what test, no matter what suffering, no matter what persecution, no matter what comes our way, no matter what the church is going to face, God is going to still be in control of it. Because if he loved us enough as his enemies, then surely he's going to take care of us in this life. I'm not talking about always physical healing. I'm not talking about financial prosperity. I'm talking about enduring and being faithful. I'm talking about living a life in which we can trust that God is going to work for our good in his glory. There's been a lot of fear lately. People are afraid to leave the house. People are afraid to be in people's presence. People are afraid of the government. People are afraid of what's coming. There's a lot of fear, and some of it's legitimate. But let me tell you, in Christ, because of what Christ has done, because God is sovereign and on the throne, because Christ has ascended and is at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, can we not trust that He's going to be in complete control? There is no government that can overthrow the king. There is no nation that can overthrow God. There is no individual that can dethrone our Savior. He is sovereign and ruling and reigning. And if he loved us enough as his enemies to die for us so that we may be saved, how much more then will we see his love and care for us as his children? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. God displays his love despite our sin. He displays his love for the sake of our salvation. And thirdly, he displays his love for our joy. Look at verse 11. More than that, we also rejoice. Circle that word. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Church, there is no greater joy in this life than resting in the promise that Christ has died for our sin. I had a hard time preparing for tonight's message. And it's not because I couldn't think of what to preach on. It was because I didn't know where to go in the text, in the Bible. There are so many places that we can go where it talks about the crucifixion of Christ what it does for us, and how we receive true joy from it. We see Paul in 1 Timothy 1 where he says, uh, Truly, Christ has come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 
This is after he listed all the lawlessness and ungodliness. And Paul still says, I'm the worst. And yet Christ came and died for me. We see in Romans 8 how because of Christ and his work on the cross, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Christ has secured that. So understand when I say there is no greater joy in this life than trusting in the Savior who has died for us. Trusting in the God who has sent his Son to die for us. So that we may, in verse 5, through the Holy Spirit receive hope and have God's love poured into our hearts. Church, understand that the greatest thing we can do this weekend, the greatest thing we can do every day, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of wondering what's happening tomorrow, in the middle of who knows what's going on in the government, in the middle of all these things, all these things that may worry us, all these things that, 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 that may get us riled up or get us wondering what's going to happen. Guys, the best thing we can do is trust in the God who even while we were enemies sent His own Son to die for our sin. If God's willing to do that, there is no greater joy that we can find. Guys, we are redeemed and reconciled to a holy and righteous God through the work of Christ on the cross. We're in perfect fellowship with the Father because of Jesus. We're wrestling with sin. And one day, we, we have been saved from the power of sin. We have been saved from the penalty of sin. One day, we will be saved from the presence of sin. And there's no greater joy that I can find. There's no greater joy I can rest in. No matter what comes my way, Christ is ruling and reigning. No matter what comes my way, Christ is sovereign and His blood has been shed and there is an opportunity to be saved from our sin and an eternal damnation in hell. Church, there's no greater joy. No greater joy. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We started this series off talking about the holiness and the wrath of God. We looked at God. It was a hard message. Looking at wrath? We had visitors that Sunday morning. Think I was excited? I was. <laughs> we talked about the wrath of God. That's a, that's a great doctrine. But guys, it's, it's hard. Understand the same God, the same God that we deserve his wrath. He, he poured it out on his son. And it is through his love that he sends his son to accomplish that victory for us. There's no greater joy. The cross is the greatest display of God's love. It's the greatest display of God's wrath. So what are we to do? We are to trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ. Romans 10 tells us that if anyone confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in the heart that God raised Him from the dead, they will be saved. If anyone puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in, in His saving work, relinquishing all of their good works, 
turning away from all of their sin, trusting in the saving work of Jesus Christ, they will be saved. And maybe tonight, maybe you've never done that. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never looked to Him and confessed Him as Lord and Savior. You've never repented of your sin and asked for forgiveness. Would you do that tonight? Would you turn to the Savior? Would you turn to the God who loved us enough to send His Son for us despite our sin, for the sake of our salvation, and for the greater joy? Would you turn to Him tonight? I pray that you will. As the musicians come up, let's pray. Father God, pray, Lord, that you would help us this evening as we are about to come into a time of of reflecting on you and who you are. God, I pray that you would help us. I pray, Lord, that you would show us the truth and the beauty of your gospel that you, through your great love, sent your Son to be our propitiation, our sacrifice, our payment. Help us tonight. We ask this in your Son's precious name we pray. Amen.